Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. So here's the series today I want to give you. This series is called Shut Up and Dance With Me. How, how many just started singing the song in your head right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got it. You got it. So we're going to look at a few different things. Uh, we're going to look at our relationship, our covenant relationship as pastor and church. We're going to look at that today. And then the next few weeks, we're going to talk about love and marriage. And then the final week, uh, after Brian Lansing is here from the Timberwolves and the NFL Live Guide, which is going to be incredible, that great outreach day, the week after, I'm going to be talking about social media and the impacts of our kids that it has. And so please don't miss that. Very practical. Um, how many of your kids deal with social media, by the way? If your hand's not up, your line. Okay, now... Moving on, if I go too fast, I want you to raise your hand because I have about three hours of content I'm giving to you in 20 minutes this morning, okay? Um, there comes a point of decision in your life that you have to stop talking and you actually have to start acting. You got to begin. Once you've decided it's worth the risk, you got to go for it, okay? There's got to come a point in your life where you say, God's called me to fill in the blank, okay? And I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. It doesn't cost anything to dream, but it'll cost you everything to go for it. I dream huge dreams for this ministry. Do you dream big dreams for your life, okay? Everything, think about this, everything that is possible now in our society today, cars, computers, planes, microwave ovens, internet, all of that, used to not be possible. That was an idea in someone's head, all right? So think of it like this. Today's impossibilities are really the miracles of tomorrow, okay? So realize that in your own life. My dream for this church includes you. Can't do it by myself. We're at a place where I just, Heather and I can't do it all. We have such an incredible team of people. We have such an incredible group of volunteers. We have a such incredible lead team. And it's so much bigger. And so let me ask you this. Do you have a God-sized dream for your life, okay? In other words, do you have a dream so big for your life that you cannot physically accomplish on your own? And here's my challenge. If you don't, then you don't have a God-sized dream because if you can accomplish it on your own, why would you need God? Think about it just for a moment. My dream for this community and for us is I want to reach 10% of the community. God put that on my heart a long time ago want to reach a tithe. I want our church to be a church of 720 people on Sunday morning. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't want to grow. Well, realize what you're saying there is not eternal. We want to continue to reach people. Wow, that just got bright. Want to continue to plant other churches. I want to plant other campuses. We've been looking at cities to plant other campuses in. We need leaders to rise up, okay? We want to partner with other denominations. It's not, how much, we're an Assembly of God church. Can I just be very honest? I love the Assemblies of God, but I don't even care that we're Assemblies of God. You know what I care? That we follow the Word of God. Okay? And, and I want to partner with other organizations that do the same. Okay? Um, I want to, no offense if you live in now then, I still love you, and you're going to have a five-minute drive a little further. I want to have a building in St. Francis. Okay? I, wanna, I dream of having a building where, you know, the school district can come and utilize it, where... Other organizations can come and utilize it, where we can reach out to youth and young people because they're the future of this community and this nation, all right? And this is not a follow-up to State of the Union, by the way. I had this planned already, okay? So um, I want hope for hopeless situations. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know of a hopeless situation right now in our community? And it breaks your entire heart. 
How many want freedom? We talked about that, you know, addictions, pornography, all of that the last few weeks. You know what I want? I want the government, I want the school district, I want them to call me, I want to be the first responder, I want them to call the church and say, Pastor Chris, we need help. You know why? I don't have the answer. Well, I do have the answer. The answer is not us, it's Jesus. And go, let's point you to the right answer, and I believe this will help. And to realize that we have that, because I believe that our church, the local church, not just the bridge, is the hope for the world. I truly believe that. So here's what I'm looking for today. Talking about the game, I don't care about the Super Bowl, I care about you. I want you to be a game changer in your life, not just within the ministry, but I want both in context today. So as I talk here, I'm going to give you a few different questions to ask, and I want you to realize that I'm talking within your context and within my context of leading this church. Because I guarantee you, unless you dream church every night, unless you think church shop every, every morning, unless, you know, you, you wake up your wife in the middle of the night and go, I got this great idea for church or a message, you know, and you're thinking about church all the time. I mean, if that's you, then I will relinquish this church to you and have you lead it and I will support you because that's how big my heart is. I want to see us have difference. I want to do church. You hear me say that all the time. I want to be the church. And so what I'm saying is this. I'm looking for game changers, not what we're doing tonight. We're all watching the game tonight. Don't be a game watcher, be a game changer. So here's a huge question for you. Game changers, are they born or are they made? Are they born or are they made? Somebody was just born who's got a lot of comments this morning about them. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that we're not just born that way, we're made, okay? It has to do with allowing God to utilize who you are. He doesn't create junk. All right? And so are you a potential game changer? I'll give you the answer. The answer is yes. Okay? Now, maybe you're going, well, I don't know if I feel like a game changer. Shut up and dance with me. Okay? All right? Here's the deal. You are, and maybe you don't see yourself as a game changer yet. That's okay. Then just get a part of a game-changing team, and I can guarantee you that this is. All right? Okay? All right, so be a part of that. So here's where I want to go today. I want to give you a couple definitions of game changer. The first is this, a game changer is someone, I have it on the screen, who dramatically changes the way something is done, thought about, strategized, thinks differently, explores continuously, breaks old molds, inspires faith, and impacts the future. My wife is going, that sounds like my husband, you know, like, okay, this is who I am for this church, for who I am for my family, who I am, you know, in our finances, personal finance at home, our dreams. I'm sorry, I want to be snowbird someday. I want to have a house in Florida on the beach. I'm sorry, that's just where I'm at someday. That's my dream. I don't know how to do it. You know, you want to do that? Don't go into ministry, go into corporate America. But I'm just saying, God's got a plan. He's got to figure it out, okay? By the way, if you do have a home down in there and you would like us to visit it sometime, <laughs> let us know. Now, transparency. We are growing as a church. I want to be transparent here, but, but I, I see a church bigger in impact, growth, and reach. I feel like we've just kind of like skimmed the surface of it a little bit. You know, I think we've just skimmed it. And I'm not willing to put a number on it. it to me, it's not a, well, if we, got, if we grow this many people or if we reach this many people, it's not the number, it's about the one, like I said. It's not the number that gives satisfaction, but it's the fact that I believe as the leader of this church that we're living out the will of God. That's what gives satisfaction, that we're living that out. Um, here's what's really interesting. How many of you, just by, by show of hands, work in, in some kind of environment um, basically where you work with people that could be potential game changers? In other words, do you have a job? Raise your hand. Okay, 
All right, you can put your hand down. Harvard Business School came up with 12 characteristics of a game changer. I'm not going to give you all 12. Well, I am, but I'm not going to break them apart. 12 characteristics of a game changer. Here's what they found out. So all these guys with their masters and their doctorate and their MBAs and all their, their wonderful degrees behind their name, they'd come into an organization, they'd want to bring about change, and what they would do is they would bring the same model that was already used within this organization and they wouldn't see change. They would just see the same old thing with the same old results. That, if you know, is the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, you're not going to get them. And so what Harvard did is they said, what is the difference? What's the game-changing organizations? How does it work? How does it happen? How does it take place? And here's the 12 that they came up with after researching 144 different um, big monopolies, big, big, huge corporations to see who the game-changers were. And they all, um, these were all the characteristics that came out of it. I'm going to give them to you really quick. I don't have them on the screen. Um, because we're going somewhere else. Strategic, big picture thinking, creative idea generator, obsessive drive to succeed, great at articulating vision, strong influencer of people, risk taker, high in vigor, likable, excels in tough times, takes people with them. And then here's the last one I really love. So much passion for an idea that they won't let go of it, they would actually die for it. A game changer, by the way, they came to realize isn't someone who has just one of these, it's someone that has them all. Not just one or two, but has them all. Now, those are great. Those are great, but they're not biblical. They're, I mean, they're, they're close, but they're not really biblical. So I want to give you, in the remainder of our time, I've got 11 minutes. And I'm going to give you, seriously, we're down to about two weeks worth of material here in 11 minutes. Okay? And so stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going to slow it down a little bit now because this is what matters. Here's the heart of this morning of I believe. When you, when you have two guitar strings break and you have a media video goes wrong, you know what that means? That means God really wants to talk to you this morning. Because if that stuff doesn't happen, then Satan realizes he doesn't have a leg to stand on. But when stuff like that happens, he realizes there's a threat that's about to take place. And so let's pray. God, I just pray that you'd open our hearts and our mind today to speak to us what you want. Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear what you have for us today, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's seven of them that show up in Scripture. Seven characteristics that's true of every single leader that I've looked at in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Not just, they don't have one or two of these, they have all seven of them. Okay, so here we go. If you're ready, say yeah. yeah. All right. Number one, they had an encounter with God. Check this out. I'm going to put all these scriptures up. I got them all on the screen. Just read them really quick to you. Genesis chapter 32, 30. So Jacob named the place Peniel for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Okay, Jacob was fighting and wrestling with God that night. He wouldn't let go. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm the same way, God. I'm not going to let go of what you're doing inside the bridge church in this community until you continue to bless it and increase our territory. Number two, Exodus 3.3. 3. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why in the world is this bush not burned up? God wanted to get a hold of heart that morning. If you didn't catch that, read your Bible. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. If you know, who are we talking about? Paul, Apostle Paul. He's knocked down. He's encountered. He's blinded for days, going to the very people in whom he killed to have this encounter with God. Now, here's the interesting part about all these encounters. You know what? These weren't like, wow, mountaintop experience. Look what we did last year, church. Woohoo! These were sucky encounters with God, man. God broke their heart. These God encounters, you know what he does every single time? He brings them through trials. How many of us are willing to say, I want to be a game changer. God, I'm signing up for that. I did. 
I'm that dumb, okay? I did, you know? Are you called to the church to pastor it? I don't know, but I volunteered. Thanks. I don't know, but I volunteered. I volunteered, okay? Look at Joseph. Here he is imprisoned, and yet he becomes one of the heads of Egypt. Look at Elijah. He's riding on the chariots to heaven with God. Doesn't even ever die, nor does Enoch. Walks with God. We see Peter. You know, he preaches the worst message ever recorded in the Bible, and 3,000 people come to know Christ in that day. Come on. Ananias, you know, he's scared to death. You know, and all of a sudden he prays over Praise over Paul, and, and Paul can get his sight back. John, James, see, hanging out with Jesus. James, the, the brother of Jesus. All of this, they had this encounter with God. That's what it takes. Number two, everybody say number two. God unmakes a person before he can make them. Yeah, I don't like that, but it's true. God, God is waiting for you. Well, God, I've just been waiting on you. God's still going, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> like, I'm waiting on you. He's waiting for us to surrender. He's waiting for us to finally say, you know what, God, I give. I give up. I give up. I had, I had no desire to be a pastor. Okay? No, like the, we're talking about dreaming, right? That was not my dream. That, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a starving artist. I wanted to be in Broadway. I wanted to be in L.A. right now. It's a lot warmer there. That was my plan. And then I surrendered to God, and he said, I got a new plan. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But it's painful before we say we give up. You know why? Can I just be really, can I be really transparent with you? I'm preaching myself. Just know that. You know why it's so painful for us to say I give up? Because we all love ourselves a little more than we should. I do. Number three. These leaders, they see things before they happen. Now, I'm not saying, well, you have to have a prophetic gift and see into the future. That's not what I'm saying. But they know the consequences of their actions before they start them. They can see that insight. They have this future insight. Number four, they are a dreamer. Okay, look at Joseph. I don't have this on the screen, but Genesis 37, 19. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. Joseph was sharing to his brothers, not the greatest in the gift of discernment, mind you, but he was sharing with his brothers that someday you're all going to bow down to me. Well, his brothers tried to kill him, you know, like not the greatest in timing. But Joseph had this dream that God had put on. And I don't care if it's a dream at night you have or a dream during the day. If God has you alive, if you're sucking wind, God has a dream for you. Find it. Number five, they're passionate. Number six, they have a breakthrough attitude. They don't give up. Number seven, they are resilient as well with that attitude. Those are, those are the seven right there. Take a picture, write them down. Those, they all have these seven. Every single leader in the Old Testament and New Testament that was a game changer, a culture shifter, they all had these things. Now, which ones do you have? Which ones don't you have? And which ones are you willing to work through? I hope you're willing to work through all the ones that you're going, I, I, I need to work on that. I want you to be a game-changing leader within the bridge, within your life. You see, here's the other part of the definition of a game changer, okay? A game changer pursues relentlessly out of reach things that others don't even see and don't even pursue. Now, I I hate to even say anything right here, but if you ask my wife and say, is your husband like that? She's going to say, yeah. Like, she just shakes her head like, you're really going after that? Those of you that have known me for a while, we dream big dreams around here. Huge dreams not going to stop. I maybe will bang down a door. You know, Lori, one of our elders, she's, give her some, some crap. Lori, if you're watching online, we love you, but you're in Arizona. And, uh, and uh, I hope she's watching right now. 
But she's like, she's like, Chris, you always bang down the door even though you shouldn't. And that's just me. I'm like, is that the door that God wants me to bang down or is it not? I'm going to go find the other door. I'm not going to give up on which door it is. I'm going to try it here. I'm not perfect, okay? So I'm going to try it here. God, is it this land that we should offer on in St. Francis? Is it this? If, if you don't know that, we haven't looked at the ALC in St. Francis. If we, if, when Movie Gallery went out, we talked to Bob King. We talked to George um, Jensen, who, you know, is close St. Francis Foods. We've talked to all of those. We talked about the old Texaco that went out of business. We talked to the Fairview. We talked to Brian Opp. We talked to physical therapy. We've looked at every option. I continue to bang on those doors going, God, which one do you have for us? I'm relentless behind the scenes during the week. If you're like, what does Pastor Chris do? I don't give up on the vision and the dream that God has for our church. I don't want to stop, man. I don't want to be, if you want a pastor, it's like, hey, we're good. We got like our 150 now, we're comfortable. Then please like talk to the elders and have me voted out. I'm not the right person for that. I want to start things. I want to see God move, man. I want to see the momentum within our community. If you're like, nah, I'm good, us four, no more. Either move me or you move. Because I believe that God so is not done with us. Look at what God is doing. We're his church seven and a half years old. And God is using you. God's utilizing your gifts. God's utilizing your time. He's utilizing your finances. You're investing into eternity at a level that I never even saw. Because God says, dream bigger, think bigger. Okay? That's where it's at. I want to read this to you. It's in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. It says this. God's words. I don't think the way you think. Stop there for a moment. God's words. Some of you this morning, you have this filter you shouldn't have. And it's the filter of, well, that's not me. I'm not really a dreamer. I don't really seize myself as a leader. I'm quiet. I'm introvert. Do you know I was the shyest kid in my school? No. I know you don't even believe me today, okay? I, I wouldn't. I, I was the shyest. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I was scared to death. I was scared of what people would think. Am I going to please people? Am I going to offend people? All that. I just don't care anymore. You know what I care about? Am I? What is what I'm doing pleasing to God? Is it his will and what he has for my life? That's what I want for yours. He goes on, God says this, the way you work isn't the way I work. So God works in a different way than we work. He thinks in a different way than we think. You know what I want? I want the mind of God. I want to work like him. I want to think like them. It says God's decree. And then he reads on, for as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Let me, I have two things I want to close with here. Got two minutes. Stay with me. There's this story. It's a true story of the three stonecutters. And I don't know if you're familiar with this story. And uh, what it is, it's these three stonecutters. And, and a guy is sent out to interview all three of them years ago, like 200 years ago. And he goes up and he, and he finds one of them to interview about what he's doing. He's, he's building something that looks incredible. And he comes up to this first stonecutter. And he says, hi, he introduces himself. And he says, hey, tell me, tell me. Okay, this is the first one. Think about your thinking. This is how I want you to change your thinking right now. Which stonecutter are you? The first one, he says this. He says, well, I'm a stonecutter and I cut stones. It's kind of a shallow answer, you know? Why don't you tell me a little more? The second one, he comes up to the next day. He's like, I want to learn a little bit more about what you're doing here. I want to know just a little bit more of where you're headed. And so he goes up to the second stonecutter and he says to the second stonecutter, hey, what is it that you're doing? And he says, well, I'm called to cut this stone. This is what I'm called to do. This is my vocation. And I'm cutting it so this thing that I'm building over there in the corner, you can see where, where what I'm doing is going to fit into place of the bigger picture of what it's going to look like in the end. Now, that's a good answer. That's, that's a really good answer. That's great thinking. 
That's like level up thinking. And then he's like, I want, there's one more. And he goes up to the third one. And he gets up to the third guy, third stone cutter, and he says, what is it that you're doing? And the guy looks at him and just looks back. And this is all he says. This is the highest level thinking. This is like God thinking. And he turns to him and he says, I'm building a cathedral. Think about it. Didn't describe what he was doing because he saw the bigger reason why down the road. He wasn't a stone cutter. He was a cathedral builder. That's what, you know, here's what's interesting today. We have beautiful cathedrals within the world, some in tall in Estonia that are incredible. Do you know some of them were started over 2,000 years ago being built and they're not even finished yet to this day? God's not finished with us. Okay? Come on, it's fine. We can clap for that. It's okay. Be a God thoughts thinker, a renewed mind. Think of the possibilities. Don't, I'm just a stone cutter. No, you're not. What's the dream that God has for your life? Well, Pastor Chris, you don't know about XYZ. I don't care about XYZ. Notice God, stop using that as an excuse not to do what you are so called to do. I'm going to kick somebody, okay? Like, come on. Come up there. Come where God sees what you can do. You know? If you're like me, you moved 14 times. You were shy. You didn't have a lot of friends. You were kind of that nerdy kid that sit by himself. All right? Your parents got divorced when you were 16. They did things they shouldn't have been doing. Got back together. It was a little weird. You know, all that. Okay? If God can use that, he can use you. If you're still not convinced, let me say this. We look at all the people through the Bible, and they had all these great qualities. You might think, well, I don't have everything. Those same leaders, listen to this. Noah, he was a drunk. Abraham, he was too old. <laughs> Some of you need to say amen to that in here, because I'm tired of you using that as an excuse. God is not done with you, or we would have had your funeral by now, okay? Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Yet we name all of Israel after him. Leah was ugly, dude. God still used her. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem, if you didn't catch that. Gideon, he was afraid. Samson had long hair, and he was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. That was in my devotions this morning. I read through Joshua 2 on my own. And as I was reading that, I was like, oh my goodness, look at God use her to, for an entire nation to take another nation. Jeremiah was too young. David was an adulterer. Oh, and not to mention a murderer. Yet what does it say? He was a man after my own heart. Are you too far away from God? I don't think so. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. By the way, if you're a new Christian, I love when you call him Job. Please keep doing it. That's what I did too forever. John the Baptist, he ate bugs, yo. This is gross. This is gross. Andrew lived in the shadow of his big brother. Peter denied Christ. All of the disciples fell asleep while he's praying and then ran away when Jesus really needed them. Yeah, we read about their great stories. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. Zacchaeus, man, didn't have a lot of height, okay? He did not have it going on. Timothy had an ulcer. Paul was a Christian killer. Oh, and by the way, Lazarus was dead. Don't you dare tell me God can't use you in the dream that he has for you. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. 
If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.